I'm Stefan Siddig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theatre administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Yuan Chung, an actor, singer, writer, and producer based in Los Angeles. Highlights of his theater work include Lost, the musical, David Henry Huang's Chinglish, and Washer Dryer. He is also a member of the award-winning sketch comedy troupe OPM. Chung also has an extensive resume of work in film and has appeared on various popular TV shows including Monday Mornings, Bones, Torchwood, Boston Legal, Chuck, Heroes, How I Met Your Mother, Stephen King's Desperation, Las Vegas, and Sucker Free City. He's often writing, singing, speaking Chinese and French, recording audiobooks, and involved in various projects like the sci-fi web series Shangri-La Near Extinction and podcasts like The White Vault, Imperial, and Vast Horizon. Chung will be playing the role of Will in the upcoming production of Terence McNally's Mothers and Sons for Metro Stage in Alexandria, Virginia, streaming online from January 13 through the 17. For full details, go to metrostage.org. Hi, Ewan. Hi, Stefan. How are you? Welcome to American Theatre Artists Online. Well, thank you very much for bringing me online with you. Um, I, it was very unexpected. Oh, well, good. Well, I, I really like to talk to what we call leading contemporary figures in American theater. And I think that you are doing a lot of great work over there on the West Coast. And we don't have a lot of West Coast guests. So um, I thought it would be good to get a perspective from California. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for considering me as a leader in theater. That's a, It's great to hear. Well, you know, I think uh, as we, we talk, I think some of that will be revealed. So, okay. um, so talk to me first a little bit. I like to talk to all my guests before we dive deep into theater, which is why we're all here. Anyway, those of us that are listening to this podcast. Um, tell me a little bit about how you're doing during this uh, quarantine time. How are you surviving, holding up? during what's going on right now due to the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, wow, uh, where do I start? As with most things this year, everything is kind of topsy-turvy, upside down. And for a pandemic year, lately I seem to be pretty busy. So it's a little strange. Um, I, I'm very, very blessed and uh, grateful to have a, a current day job um, mm. that's somewhere between full-time and part-time. Oh, nice. And yeah, and then, um, but then I'm also, as if there were no COVID, um, I'm also juggling various projects on the side, which I normally do, and part of that is theater, or music, or recording audiobooks, or whatnot. 
So it's uh, sometimes some days are very full. Yeah, you have a lot of different interests, which I think is wonderful. And and between writing, singing, producing, acting, mm-hmm. being an actor, and on TV, you have you have quite an extensive. TV and film resume aside from your theater, even though this is a theater podcast, I was quite impressed and I've seen you on TV several times without even knowing that I was going to see you. Um, in several Thank you for shows. watching. Yes, like Bones. I remember you had a, a nice role in, in an episode or two of Bones and yeah. others, other long, um, long running shows, I guess I should say, uh, Chestnuts that people who watch television shows uh, really um, have followed. And so... That's a tough thing in and of itself to get a film and TV career um, going like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I definitely had a good run then, but now, now I just need to get a good run on, say, Netflix or Hulu. You know, the new online yeah, platforms. Absolutely. That's the that seems to be the way people are going. So to get back to theater, though, because I know that you've, you we could do a whole other podcast on just your your film and TV work, and I'd love yeah, to do that yeah. and all the stuff you're going to do online. But um, how did you? start with theater i never i don't really know i don't think i ever really asked you this was this something that you always wanted to do to to do theater and acting did you have a mentor someone who helped you or did you always want to be an actor was it singing i know you have a beautiful singing voice too so was this something you you how did this come about for you as a as a young person okay wow well it was always there but it was never the proper thing to do um if you're the child of Chinese immigrants. So um, it was always something that was kind of pushed to the side, but I guess my first theatrical experience would have been the annual musical in eighth grade. So it was a kind of like a classic Broadway story where the the original student who was cast as the male lead had to step out, step down because his mother was concerned about it taking up too much time and taking time away from his studies. So uh, I ended up going in for that part. Um, and then throughout high school, I had an elective that, uh, option because we had a, I was you know, at a magnet science and technology high school that had a free period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I y- used it for Shakespeare troupe. So that was my, yeah, so that was my, uh, te- technically, yeah, my first foray into straight plays. Wow. So pretty early on, it sounds like musical theater yeah. and Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I went to college, uh, I, at university of Virginia, I just tried to tried everything. Mm-hmm. You did a bit yeah. of all the different things that were available to you there. Yes. Okay. Yes. And was it always singing with theater or, or the use of the voice? Because I mean, in Shakespeare, you have to have a strong voice. Uh, as mm-hmm. well. Is that what appealed to you? What was it that appealed? What did you like about theater, about being on stage? What did it do for uh, you? For me, it was when you, I, I'm trying to answer all your questions in terms of mentors. Yeah. In terms of mentors, I didn't really have any growing up, mm. but I would say my mentors were just old Hollywood mm. uh, because I grew up on a lot of classic, classic um, Hollywood movies mm. because of TCM and back before then it was AMC mm-hmm. um, you know, if you remember those I and do. then uh, yes back when they actually aired old stuff and um, 
And so that actually had a huge influence on me. And I grew up playing piano, so so I was already very musical. So I guess mm. singing kind of fell into it as well. And for some reason, the early opportunities besides Shakespeare that were afforded to me largely fell within the musical theater domain. Mm-hmm. And I happened to, to pick up choreography easily. Um, so, and, and to me, it was a great, it's always a great lesson to try, try to be the triple threat, you know, and um, because I never took formal dance classes or anything. So it was always a great opportunity for me to learn. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier on, so you talked about um, your musical training in piano. Uh, you mentioned a little earlier on um, a few minutes ago about being the son of Chinese immigrants. Did you yes. feel, I mean, and I can imagine, I know being the son of, of an immigrant myself, that uh, sometimes immigrant families are very uh, concerned about uh, their children's financial um, future and their, their well-being. And they, they often eschew uh, their children getting in, going into the arts or anything like that because they feel that there won't be a financial um, you know, fallback or support for them. I know my mother very much was, was of that mind. Did you get a lot of that from your parents? Was there a lot of, of and I've had others on podcasts talk about this too on my podcast. Um, did you get a lot of pressure from them to sort of, well, theater's nice, but maybe you, and acting's nice, but maybe you want to be a doctor or a, a lawyer or was that, or was that not something your parents pushed? Oh, exactly. That's what it was. And, and it took me a while to, funny how it took me to, becoming an actor to really understand uh points of view <laughs> so oh. so uh, it, it took me a while but then i realized i obviously you know, if your parents are immigrants they worked very hard and it's mm-hmm. always very it's challenging to uproot yourself and and come to a new environment like that so i understand their conservative attitudes of wanting to to maybe you should go for a more surefire hit as a, as a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then let's talk 2020 now. It really doesn't, does it really matter? Yeah, isn't um, that funny? We're all sort of in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so that was, a, that was a, a huge conflict for me for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm trying to remember all your other questions again. And uh, well, to, to go back to another one, but to sure. go back to another one is like, how, why did I go into theater? It's, because um, I've always said that if there's any political agenda to my career, it's just to see more Asians or Asian Americans in media, ah, including gonna, the stage. I was going to ask you about um, representation for Asian mm-hmm. uh, actors yeah. on stage yeah. and screen, too. Yeah. Because um, you've, you've had a part in that, I would say, because um, you don't see a lot of, of Asian Americans on stage and you see sometimes even less on screen. Um, yeah. So what do you think about, you've been there, you've been in the trenches, so to speak, because you've been on, on, in, still in, in, in there. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, of course, you still are, right, in the trenches there in Hollywood. So what, what do you feel about a representation for Asian actors and how do you think, what do you think we can do to increase it or what sort of shifts do we have to see? What do, what do you think is, is, is the, the trajectory for that? Um, from my point of view, it's, it's, there are a myriad of factors and I would say first and foremost, it's a numbers game because mm-hmm. even though the uh, numbers for Asian Americans um, are increasing, they're still one of the smallest minorities yeah. or non, you know, people POCs in America. So, and we are not as 
well established well established mm-hmm. um the way african americans are and even latino a lot of latino americans mm-hmm. um so there's that issue and then and then there's the traditional conservative cultural backgrounds that that also feed into the choices or inform the choices that are made by the younger generations sure. and um and and then uh, Give it time. I think if, the more the generations pass by, pass by in America, the more Americanized, obviously, everyone becomes. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and I think, then future generations are actually afforded more of a, the luxury of having a choice in what they want to do. Interesting. Yes. No. I think I think that's really um, smart that you've pointed out a lot of different um, challenges or barriers yeah. that might be up for. Um, and also one more yes pardon sorry to interrupt but one more factor too is also you just need to get more asians in key executive positions ah yes within companies yes because tell me more otherwise nothing ever nothing trickles up Mm. um and so you know again traditionally most studio heads have been caucasian male Mm. um you'd be hard pressed to find a huge array of ethnicities uh, but it's gotten better over the years. I'm, I'm glad that there is an, an awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've always said, you know, you either yeah get in, go from the top down, either on the corporate side, or we need more writers, producers, absolutely, uh, directors, and you know, actors unfortunately are powerless because even though they are the faces of a performance or a show or whatever, you know, they're still at the mercy of other people's shot calls. So um, that's why, you know, if you are an actor and you want to make a difference, then I, I always encourage people to get into show running, writing, producing, directing, just so you can have more of a say in things. Right. So that you can get more um, representation in terms of voice, of, of the right, stories. Right, because that's the true power, I think. And I think a lot of people, if they're to think about film, perhaps in the last couple years, it would be crazy rich Asians in terms mm-hmm. of popularity, uh, in terms of uh, reaching the most number of people uh, and success too. That was a movie that made a yeah. lot of money, which in Hollywood means a lot. Um, exactly. So <clears throat> do you see that film opening up other opportunities? I haven't seen too many. I mean, I, I'm seeing Asian actors here and there in, in roles that I think perhaps before we may not have seen them in, some more romantic uh, roles, some more, um, you know, leading roles, but like you said, it takes time. It, it's something that's yes. really going slowly, unfortunately, but right. Um, I mean, just think of the civil rights movements, you know, nothing right. is overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you may have a revolution, but then there's everything else you need to figure out how to map out for right. the future. So, mm-hmm. so change, you know, it, and also it could be generational, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes a whole generation needs to pass until people finally get it yeah so um, i'm even thinking back to the example you gave just a while ago about being uh in middle school or or high school and being asked uh, middle school i think uh to jump in for the lead actor (laughs) you were not cast as the lead actor but you were asked to jump in interestingly because i know your ability i mean you're a strong actor and you've got a wonderful voice so if it's a musical i'm kind of like i'm kind of like why weren't you the lead 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 of that musical do you think it was because you were not white Probably, I mean, they probably they didn't expect me to have the chops or or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, who knows? Right. You know, we are the 
you know, we I, I grew up with in the era of Asians being the model minority. So mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's, it is weird, especially as uh, as an Asian American male, um, your experience in media or even just being seen in general. I, I often like to joke that sometimes I felt invisible mm. because, you know, you just wouldn't even be considered for certain things. You just be passed over already. So, right. and, and I think I find that true for, well, not as much now, but it was definitely true for a lot of roles in Hollywood and in the theater too. Well, and I'm sure because you have what I would think of as, um, model good looks, I think, which is probably why you went to the West Coast, um, because that's to me where people who are aside from very talented, also very good looking, the screen likes your face. Um, uh, it's funny because do you think that being Asian, maybe that held you back a little bit more than it would have otherwise? Or did you find that it helped you get certain roles or slots on TV? Yeah. It's a mix of both, and it's yeah. funny that you are, are. It's great that you're aware of that because, uh, first of all, I, I went to, I chose LA because, uh, again, the political agenda was to get more of these faces in mainstream media. So mm-hmm. I always wanted to, t- to target film and TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong, theater was my is my first love first and my ultimate background. So that's mm-hmm. always there, and I'm still doing it. So yes. don't worry. Um, yes, yeah, so and we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing in theater now mm-hmm. uh, in a second. But go ahead. So, yeah. Yes. But uh, yes, um, since Hollywood it tends to be so hung up on looks and types, mm. it is, it's always either jarring or people end up not knowing what to do with you mm. if you don't fit certain molds. So, mm. so yes, I have a certain look about me. Um, I, I was never really... Uh, but traditionally, Asians would be, oh yeah, you go be a triad member or a gangster or some you know, convenience shop owner. Right. But... I even with other roles, I was always more white collar than blue collar, so that was a hard sell to them. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and so even as an immigrant, I look maybe to again white collar or mm. uh, educated, whatever. Mm. Uh, so that has that has gotten in the way for sure. Interesting, because I think of of the gentleman who played the lead in in Crazy Rich Asians, and I keep thinking, oh, Ewan could have played that part. I mean, there's nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you totally could have played that part because that's a guy from like an upper class. If you're talking about uh, being white collar versus blue collar, that's certainly a part. But shifting a bit, um, because we're talking, and this is my fault because I'm going down. I'm just so fascinated. I'm going down the TV route, but um, is in film route, uh, screen route. But is there a particular theater project that you can think of that? that really, you know, when you were working, you're in LA, you're working in professional theater as well as TV and film. And there's, you know, obviously you're taking stage opportunities as well when they, when they work for you. But what, what kind of, you know, can you remember a theater project that where you were really happy about it and they really exemplified what you bring to the table and, and, and what about that particular project was special to you, if you can think of one? I know you've worked with East West Players. I know you've done <clears throat> some other stuff um, in theater in, in on the West Coast as well as East. But tell me what one example, if you can think of, of a theater project that you oh, I can. worked on. Oh, if I can, for sure. Uh, the... The main baby would be a sketch comedy troupe that I co-produced with oh. uh, with uh, my friend Charles Kim, and so it was called OPM, um, kind of a play on opium, but uh, the letters OPM, uh, not other people's money, but it's for opening people's minds. Oh. It was. Uh, <laughs> I was going to yeah. ask what it stood for. <laughs> yeah, 
And, um, and so it was originally a group that formed in Seattle um, out of a need for sketch comedy troops with Asian Americans because they, that didn't exist in the 90s. And, um, and I actually lived in Seattle for a little bit after graduating from university, and that's how I got acquainted with the group. And then over the years, uh, people started trickling down to L.A. Mm. And so in 2000, in 2000 um, or no, 2001, uh, OPM reformed in L.A., and which was also great because L.A. actually needed it then because at that time there were only two other Asian-American sketch comedy troops. Um, so this is way before, you know, UCB and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff before that took off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so Citizens, that... Upright Citizens what, Brigade for those... I'm sorry, oh, yes. Yes, that's fine. Um, so, so that was... Uh, I didn't intend to be a theater producer, but I did just out of necessity because I unfortunately or fortunately can multitask quite well and, and am organizational. Yes. So, and no, no one else would pony up. So (laughs) I guess I took the lead. Yes. You took the lead. Yeah. Yeah. So we ran, ran it for 10 years in, in, uh, in LA from 2001 to 2011. And, um, yeah, so it was a good run and it, it definitely offered us some opportunities. We got seen, we were kind of, a. It was also during this during the time when the LA theater scene was really dirty and uh, under the radar and black box, but there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, it was it was kind of fringe before the fringe, and um, so we were kind of we were kind of seen as this low-fi, uh, slightly edgy crew that just ran around and did crazy stuff. And, uh, and, and we all, we definitely pushed, we didn't write traditional sketches. We, we've always tried to be interesting and, and try to use different, uh, methods and devices. And so we were, we were kind of renegades. Mm-hmm. It was, it was good. And you talked a bit about UCB, you know, upright citizen, citizens brigade. And I was thinking about mm-hmm. second city. I was thinking in my mind, as you were talking about OPM, I haven't really, I can't think of. A, a lot of Asian American actors who appear on sketch comedy on television. Um, right. Uh, Bobby, There's one on In Living Color. That, yeah, that was it. Yeah, what about Bobby? Oh, I forget his last name. Yeah. Bobby, uh, Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee, who was on, um, was he in Living Crazy, Color? Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians also, but he was in a couple he of- He was on Mad TV. Mad TV, was, uh, that's Mad. the one. Yeah. But I'm trying to think, you know, you don't see a lot of Asian Americans in that- um, that field either. No. So it's what a, the what only, a the only two were Stephen Park, mm-hmm. yeah, on In Living Color and Bobby Lee on on uh, Mad TV. Right. I mean, that's not a lot for how many years sketch comedy has been going on, and especially on television. And so for you guys to have this group, this OPM group for ten years in LA, that's pretty amazing. Did a lot of experiences come from that? Are you still uh, very networked and connected to those people from that group? And is do you guys still work together in other forms? Yes, we actually had a, you know, we've been around old enough, long enough mm-hmm. that um, last October, um, East West Players, in conjunction with East West Players, um, one of the the main Asian American comedy groups out of Upright Citizens Brigade called, called Asian AF, mm-hmm. um, they sponsored a, uh, a festival of sorts, uh, 
called Respect Your Elders. You know, that's one way to feel older now. Um, where, where they wanted to pay tribute to all the sketch comedy and improv groups, Asian American ones, groups that came before the UCB ones and, and to showcase them. So we got the old, old group back together again for a quick 20-minute set. Oh, um, yeah, and, uh, and it, it did well, actually. We, we hit the audiences pretty hard and uh, still good laughs. And um, it was, uh, yeah, so we, we definitely provided a lot of opportunities for people just to, first of all, try out comedy because they always say it's the hardest, and it is. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just, just like I said, I was forced into the, uh, theater producing. I was also, it forced me to write. Mm. Um, yeah. And so it all kind of, even though sketch comedy sounds silly, it actually created a lot of opportunities for me. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, um, this, it's a different skill set. Writing and producing mm-hmm. is a whole other, you're yeah. opening up a whole other yeah. skill set of your, of yeah. your ability. So being and then, actor, yeah. And then if it's a sketch comedy show, you'll, you might be playing 10 characters in the course of 50 minutes. There you go. So it's, um, it's Just, really fun. Has the writing and producing influenced your acting in terms of how you see acting now, um, as a business, but also, um, have you written anything for yourself? I was think I was wondering if you would write a. I know you've written sketches, but if you would yes. write a one-person play for yourself in any time, a one-man show, as they say, um, because a lot of people, you know, lead it towards that, or they write. They use the writing to to write their own work. Yes, um, I, I have never really been interested in one-man shows for myself, mm-hmm. um, just because I would probably hate talking about myself. Mm-hmm. But um, but there have. I have ideas for, I, I do have a TV pilot script out there that I co-wrote with someone and oh, I do you. have, yeah, I do have um, film screenplays in mind and some outlines mm-hmm. and for theater, I haven't, I've done maybe at most more, like more of a one act, but mm-hmm. I have not done a full length play myself, right. but, uh, but I don't discount that. It could happen later. No, I mean, it's wonderful with all these different yeah things that you've branched out to, right? So yeah. um, have you had a lot of opportunity to, to focus on your singing at all and to continue doing your love of music? Yeah, it's, uh, lately it's been um, a lot of voice acting and music um, mm. in, in my life lately. So, um, so yes, uh, every now and then I get involved in this musical cabaret review show called Miscast, you know, oh. uh, was it? Uh, right singer wrong song yeah so you you're always asked to bring a song from a musical that you would love to sing but it would it unfortunately is from a show that you would never be cast in right so yeah so we always find ways to upend it or just do something completely different and it's just a fun way to be creative in, in, in that sense um but uh, also it just helps you hone your chops on stage um and both vocally and also, you know, per, uh, presentation wise. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and then I, because it's Hollywood, I have quite a few friends who are film composers. Oh yeah. Um, and oftentimes I'll be asked to do demo vocals or if not a full official vocals for certain soundtrack songs mm-hmm. or, uh, or, uh, show themes. Nice. And, yeah, and then I still do the occasional musical um, on stage as well. Last, the most recent one was uh, 
the musical it was lost the musical based on the tv show yeah so it's all because it was all uh i forget how many seasons eight eight or seven seasons or no yeah all, i don't um, remember but yeah six seasons quite a while. Yeah. packed into two hours <laughs> that's great and this was done in in la um, in la yeah using uh and you using pop songs and show tunes but with the lyrics rejiggered nice what a fun what yeah. a fun project it was fun. <laughs> oh, great. Wow. Guess well, which part I played in Lost the Musical. Uh, which part did you play? <laughs> no, you have three guesses. The first two don't count. It, of course, Daniel Day Kim's character. I was going to say, hey, I didn't want to assume, <laughs> just because you're Asian. <laughs> that was you not played. a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought maybe they were getting creative with the casting. <laughs> but um, wonderful. Yeah, and I know that you, that you aside from the musicals uh, and, the, and the singing and all these um, voiceover the voiceover work you're doing. I also know that you you're working on audiobooks, right? You record yes. audiobooks, which is great. Mm-hmm. Are there any recent ones that I can I can download and listen to? Your yeah, voice? the two the two recent big recent ones, and they're all available on Audible or Amazon. Um, is Beijing Payback by Daniel Nie N I E H? It's a crime thriller uh, about about. Uh, Technically Asian American, but you know the kids. The, he he and his sister were not born in America, but they immigrated from China when they were very young. Um, so something happens with the family. So he had, the main character has to go back to China to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one is um, Eighty Eight Names by Matt Rush, who was also responsible for Lovecraft Country, which is now oh. a show on HBO. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, that was oh. a cyber a cyber thriller about MMORPGs, uh, you know, role-playing games. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. great. And so I assume that for actors, especially during this pandemic, these kind of projects where you can go in or record your voice or record it at home in a studio and send in files, things like that, yeah. I mean, those have got to be um, lifesavers. Yes, as long as you have good equipment and a good internet connection. Right, yeah, um, of course. Yeah. To send yeah, the, the big files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, and also, in, in addition to audiobooks, I also um, record occasionally long-form articles, like oh. uh, for The New Yorker or The Atlantic, um, because there's a whole set of that, those audio, audio articles now uh, through Autumn, A-U-D-M. Oh, wow. And... Uh, yeah, it's for you know people who can't, who are too lazy to read, or are on the road all all the time. Right, or maybe someone who can't read, um, or who's elderly, right. and maybe so it's for both. Yeah, or you want to hear it while you're moving. Sure, both. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm while I'm walking or you know exercising. So I yeah. think it's great. But that's a wonderful outlet uh, for you and for and for those of us who want to hear uh, the mm-hmm. news uh, and or articles told uh, you know through your voice. And you have such a musical voice, such a mellifluous no, thank voice. You. It's very yeah. pleasant to hear, so that that yeah. that's, that helps. Uh, you know, what it also it also being Chinese helps too, because uh, actually the reason why I got more into voice acting is because there has been this movement of trying to cast more authentically for a lot of books and in situations. Because if the book has is Chinese based or themed and has a lot of names and if not even certain Asian languages being spoken, then mm. it's useful. Since I already speak Mandarin, so um, so I actually in the audiobook world, I tend to focus more on any any novel that is either written by a Chinese American or Asian American novelist, or is a, a 
book translated into English from mainland China. Nice. Well, yeah, because then you have something that you can contribute in addition mm-hmm. to your, your voice and your acting skills. You can contribute yeah. some of your language skills. And you, yeah. do, you are a polyglot. I mean, you do speak uh, more than one language. I mean, it's Chinese, yeah. English, and French as well, I know you speak. Mandarin, English, French, uh, some German, some, some Dutch. You know, a lot of it's just really association since you know, they're all in the same language families. So it's That's wonderful. pretty easy for me to pick up. That's great. And I mean, that's another skill that I think is undervalued in many performers um, that um, I, I had a podcast interview just a few weeks ago with someone who, who like me, speaks English, Portuguese and Spanish. And Spanish, so, yeah. yeah, to be able to do the to, to do work in those all the languages now, whether it's voiceover or audiobooks, is really uh, expands your 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 reach, you know, and that's yeah, really for wonderful. sure. Yeah, I always joke, you know, I, either you know, my calling would have been should have been an inter, in, uh, in international business, um, diplomat at the UN, or a spy. <laughs> there you go. Those are the parts. That you get. <laughs> but so um, I also know that aside from the audiobooks and the and the the the, the talking, you know, recording for for, for articles, um, you also work on a sci-fi. You've worked on sci-fi web series. What are those exactly? What is a sci-fi web series like Shangri-La Near Extinction? What what is that? Okay, Shangri-La Near Extinction was actually originally going to be a pilot movie. Mm. That was what they call a backdoor pilot to try to get a deal uh, on television. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what happens with the sales and who you know how how things turn out, mm. oftentimes these pilots will also be released as standalone movies. So that that one was is a, definitely a sci-fi one set in a in a uh, post ice age apocalyptic world, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then the sci-fi web series. Um, it was supposed to be on. Um, uh, it's technically through Vimeo mm-hmm. when when they were going to have a slate of programming, but uh, but then they dropped it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then it went on to some. A French mobile app for some reason, Studio Produce, which no longer exists. So hopefully it'll find its way back around. But it was a uh, kind of like an online uh, sci-fi series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there were seven or eight episodes, each one around ten minutes each. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard, I remember hearing there was talk that they might uh, consolidate it into one movie as well, if it made more sense to package it that way. Sure, but. Um, yeah, so it's more of these online things. Um, it could have been for Hulu. You know, it would have been good for Netflix or Hulu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing more and more of these, uh, the web series. Uh, and I've watched a few of them. And there, some of them have really high production value. I'm really yeah. always surprised at how great, um, you know, like you said, they could be packaged really in a series of different ways. Mm-hmm. With the people. Definitely. And I also know that you work on podcasts. So tell me about the White Vault, Imperial, and Vast Horizon. I don't know what those are do i how can i yeah. find out more uh the these people i work with is a, a fool and scholar pr- productions they specialize in horror thriller sci-fi oh. so 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 the white fault is one one uh, concept and um it's uh yeah kind of kind of like a horror horror po- podcast i know there are quite a few out there oh, wow. um and um it's Originally, it was based on like found documents. Mm-hmm. So you know, it would be letters read aloud, or journal entries, or recordings. And so, over the course of the episodes, you kind of piece all the all the pieces, of the 
put the pieces of the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. So White Vault in, in Imperial was kind of like an offshoot of, of the White, White Vault. Mm-hmm. So that was a... Um, uh, it's thematically in that realm, um, but it's just set in in the 17th century... Oh, wow. Yeah, Ming, uh, Qing Dynasty uh-huh. um, in China. That's okay. Again, that's why I was asked to, was to audition for it. Yeah. Well, so you seem to really, like you said in the beginning of this podcast, that one of your mission your mission statement or part of your mission statement is to um, amplify, you know, voices, uh, amplify mm-hmm. the voices yes. of, of, of Asian Americans. And you seem to be doing that in many different venues, yeah, in many literally. different media. <laughs> yeah. Right, literally and figuratively, but literally yeah. too, because you're doing it not just in theater, but you're doing it on film, television, audio, yeah. podcasts, sci-fi series, on the web. I mean, it's very strange. Yeah, it's in a way, and like you said, if it's connected to somehow to Asian culture, and not always, I'm sure not everything you do is that way. But um, no. when it is, that's that's an extra bonus for you. Exactly, because you know, no one likes to hear things butchered, and it's just no. it's nice to have some lick of authenticity. Right. Absolutely, and I think that you know. I, I, this is, you know, I think you could serve as a consultant in some ways to some people oh, yeah. because there are a lot of people out there. And like you said, um, you know, Asian Americans need to tell their own stories and need to write uh, their own work and get their own work produced and produce their own work and be in charge of studios. That would be ideal. And, and theaters, artistic directors. Um, but uh, when they're not, a lot of times, you know, uh, those of us who are not Asian who are directing a piece that has uh, some you know, Asian story in it. Um, Sometimes we can feel like we, you know, we have to educate ourselves a lot to try to understand the culture. And so we try to reach out. I know I've reached out to you in the past when I was directing something Mm -hmm. to to try to get your feel uh, on something because, um, you know, I'm not Asian. So it's, it's, I I don't know. I've seen things, but I don't want to presume anything about the culture. So um, that's really... And that's what's important. Yeah, that's why I really love the fact that you were aware. But unfortunately, a lot of people are not aware to even think about these things. They just railroad right over it. That's the part that I think is so disrespectful. Because it's one thing to... to, I think part step one of helping us all come together on this thing of understanding each other's backgrounds and where we come from. Step one is is acknowledging you have a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Is acknowledging you don't know. Acknowledging what you don't know. Is better and than also, assuming. Yeah. And also be curious. Interesting. How so? What do you mean? Ask questions. You know, mm-hmm. nothing, you know, that's because that's like yeah. ultimate privilege, right? It's just, it's, it's, nothing's, nothing is constant. There's a whole world out there, even outside your city. Right. And, um, and yeah. man, people just need to make an effort. Absolutely. And I think part of what you're doing is raising that awareness by just being, by being out there, by doing the work, by writing, producing, acting, all those things that you're doing, you're helping uh, to raise that awareness. Now, shifting back, if we can, to, to, yeah. the, to theater a bit more, I mean, this all relates to, to theater. I know, a little bird told me, <laughs> that you are currently, I know, aside from all the other projects that you're working on for online, I know that you are playing the role of Will in an upcoming production of Terrence McNally's Mothers and Sons at Metro yes. Stage, uh, which is a small professional theater in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. But it's going to be streaming online, so it doesn't matter. You can do your performance from the West Coast. How has that experience been so far for you? It, it's been great. Um, you know, just uh, sometimes scheduling can be a little bit tricky because um, 
I do work during the day most mm-hmm. of the time, but you know, it just takes some planning. That's all. But I, I love it. Um, it's uh, my first bi coastal production technically um but none of it would have been possible that were it not for you know platforms like zoom or google meeting and Hmm. and so it's uh i think it's a a different way of connecting and and i know certain productions have actually tailored uh their productions to more for a zoom setting so that's always Hmm. fun to to look at um i I, again I, i love it i just I usually jump at any opportunity to do theater, provided that I have time mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I often do it because I'm helping out other friends and other groups because mm-hmm. they they're, they're down people or mm-hmm. you know whatever whatever. I just, I just need to I I need to go back to theater every now and then. Sure. First of all, back to your also, roots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know that's really the ultimate training training mm-hmm. and, and the ultimate way of communicating. And you know, um, full disclosure. <laughs> Full disclosure, I am the director of the production that you're in. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there for the listeners. Yes. So I'm, I'm just asking you to get your your views. And, you know, uh, also, I wanted to ask you this as, as we had a couple of rehearsals already. Um, I wanted to ask you if you find that your um, extensive film and television training and experience is helping you, interestingly enough, with this theater project that is online. Yes, it actually does because it is like a close up on you all the time. So you have to be aware of how your image is projected and, and how you how you move and you know uh, how you can be heard. Mm-hmm. It, it is interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's it's it, even though it's all acting, it just really depends on the medium and it, it can can affect. It, you really have to be be flexible mm-hmm. and know how to adjust things. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like I'm constantly adjusting mm-hmm. <laughs> in yes. life in general, so I'm used to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the Zoom thing has been great for me because I'm involved in a couple other theater groups in LA. One's called Santa Monica Repertory, um, and uh, we've been doing Zoom readings as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of had some some practice there. Mm-hmm. And you and, know uh, the yeah. role the role of Will is not specifically an Asian American role either, right? Yeah. So it's not written for an Asian American. It's not really written to be yeah. any particular um, yes. race. And neither is the other character of Cal. So there's a two, it's a it's a, a gay yeah. a gay male couple who have a child. And it's the story of the the mother of of the other character, not not your character, but the other character is yeah, mother. So you're dealing sort of not his mother, his his old partner's mother, right? Yeah. Um, coming to talk to him. It's a, it's a pre uh, uh, a sequel to uh, Terrence McNally's Andre's mother, which was a, a a play a mini play that he then turned into a, a television uh, movie, actually a play and uh, movie. Uh, but um, it's interesting because the character isn't written to be Asian, but you know. I don't know why you, I mean, I know why I mean, you just jumped into my head when I was thinking about casting. And I, I, I think it was because what I thought of him was that he was highly intelligent, um, highly, uh, polished person, uh, educated and, um, good, white collar, white collar. There we go. Good, good looking, uh, sure of himself and, and attractive and all those things. And I thought, okay, and Ewan, and it was the first thought that came to my mind. Wow. And, then, and then, of course, the next thoughts that came up were, 
oh, West, he's on the West Coast though, and um, I don't know if he'd want to do it, and I know he's doing a lot of film and TV. And, and then I thought, well, wait a minute, it doesn't matter if he's on the West Coast because because of this wonderful world of, of Zoom that we're in now, right? So yeah. in a way, we would, uh, it's an opportunity for us to work together that we might not have had. Yeah, I love that. And, yeah. and I love plays like this where it's not always specific, gender-specific gender or, or ethnic-specific. So Absolutely. anyone can, can play it. It's, yeah. it's like Shakespeare. Correct. Unless it's Othello. Yes. Unless it's Othello. <laughs> yeah, unless it's Othello. Yes, well, that's a whole other story. But I mean, wonderful. I mean, I think that um, it's going to be a really wonderful experience for all of you, and, and it's been for me. Uh, just to get, uh, already to, has been for me, too. Those who want to follow it need to just go to metrostage.org. The information will be up uh, by the time this podcast airs. But um, so, you know, we've, we've really gone through all of the different um, parts of your career here. Uh, you and as we as we start to wrap up uh, this wonderful interview, and I'm so glad you've given of your time to do this. But do you have oh, any? Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have any exciting online projects that you haven't talked about that you wanted to share with us that are coming up uh, for the rest of 2020 and into 2021? Any anything online? Any any other things that you're cooking up that you haven't mentioned? Uh, gosh, now I'm trying to think. Uh, I know I have a couple of projects should that, that should be coming out on, well, um, on Netflix. Netflix has been acquiring a lot of foreign foreign shows, mm. and and so and now they've gotten into the habit of doing English dubs. So yes. I was involved in uh, dubbing into English uh, a South Korean show. Oh, oh wow! And. I believe that was called a school nurse or something. It's a strange title. The whole premise is weird, but <laughs> but um, that should be available uh, now. And then um, I, def- I definitely did some some background voice work on for Mulan. I was going to um, say the, the 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 film version of Mulan. Yes, that came out. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's available now on Disney on Disney Plus. Yes, Disney Plus. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, I should have another article coming out soon. I think for the New York. Wow. Uh, New Yorker that's somewhere. Amazing. And, and uh, it's about the- Miranda July. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again. It's about the director Miranda July. Oh, wonderful. Okay, great. Yeah, the print the print version's already out. I don't. I'm not sure when when, when the audio version is out. And, and this is for the New Yorker. Correct. For those who want to follow. Now, or New York Times. New York, New York Times. Times. Sorry, sorry. New York Times. Okay, great. No. Um, so for those who want to follow you and, you know, you've got a lot of stuff coming up and there might be some stuff you can't announce yet or that you'll be able to give more info on, uh, you're mm-hmm. on social media, right? So what? Where? how do people yes. follow you if they want to follow you? Uh, uh, best ones would be Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So Instagram and Twitter is just at Yuan Chung, E-W-A-N-C-H-U-N-G. And Facebook, you can find me at the official Yuan Chung page. Um, so those are the main ones. Wonderful, Yuan. Thank you so much for, for giving of your time to American Theater Artists Online. Oh. It's so great to be able to talk to, to someone from the West Coast and to get that perspective on, on theater, oh, yeah. film, and TV. Anytime. And uh, yeah, thank you for including me. No worries. And we wish you all the best in all your upcoming stuff. It sounds very exciting. Thank you. Same to you, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, you know we'll we'll do that show soon. Uh, mothers yeah. and sons, thank you so much, Ewan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Seven. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Take care, everyone. You too.